Welcome back to Vulcan. Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined, as always, by my more than capable co-host, Jason Snell. Jason, how are you? Scott, you have to understand, if I don't leave, the logic extremists will kill us all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I like so many things about Star Trek Discovery, but the idea of logic extremists is ridiculous. (laughs) I I have to say, I've wrapped all the way around. I I love the idea that there are Vulcan logic extremists, that that is the most extreme kind of Vulcan, is the logic extremist, and no no illogic will be allowed on Vulcan, apparently. That's right. We, we have already uh, established that uh, Vulcans are space racists, uh-huh. so just imagine how bad the extru- logic extremists are. Yeah. Well, you let uh, any kind of fundamentalists into your government, and that sort of thing is going to happen. That's true. It's going to drag everybody down. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I think of these sad thoughts, uh, I turn to things that soothe me. And one of the things is tea. Like tea. Exactly yes. right. Uh, our sponsor this whole season is the New Mexico Tea Company, nmtco.com. That's N-M-T-E-A-C-O dot C-O-M is how you print. That's how you spell dot <laughs> oh. com for those who did not know. The dot is the same uh, thing you use for a uh, period at the end of a sentence. Oh, and that's wow. how you type a URL See, into a web you're... browser. And that's what you should do is go to nmtco.com slash TV. And uh, you can save uh, money on tea. You can save 15% off by using the coupon code TREK at checkout. And you can also fill out the survey if you like. It's optional. Mm. Do it. And you can drink Kelpian for Dahlia tea or Genuine Jippers or uh, something nice uh, of your choice, quite frankly, because it's not 15% <laughs> off just the Star Trek teas. It's 15% off all the teas. So there you go. I, uh, That's our Marisa, sponsor. my lovely wife, has been enjoying uh, the Zenish tea. So if uh, you, you crave some Zen in your life, uh, give that tea a try. Oh, and I, I haven't ha- tried it. I had the Kenyan Lelsa on the recommendation of our friend Dan Warren, and it was also uh, very nice. It's a black tea. It's a Kenyan black tea, and it was very nice. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, so try those teas. Enough tea talk. Uh, so, enough tea talk. <laughs> we have retired. Last episode, we retired everybody's favorite segment, mm. Spotting Spock, the search for Spock. Spock is going to be in all of these episodes going forward, uh, I assume. I assume. Or maybe not. It would be a shame uh, so. if they lost him again. <laughs> true. Damn it, we have to find Spock Who again? Misplaced Who Spock. Put, where did you put Spock? Where do we... Well, where did you see him last, Captain? Um, <laughs> Let's just retrace our steps. Previously... On oh, Star my Trek, goodness. that so, tickled me pink. Yeah, I I chuckled when it came up. I was like, okay, because as we said last time, the revelation that blew all of us away—you and me and Aline—about mm-hmm. uh, Talos Four, where we all said, "OMG, I can't believe they're going to Talos Four." And I think I I correctly predicted that those who do not know uh, Star Trek lore would be like, "So they're going to a planet." <laughs> Whereas all the, uh, all the Star Trek fans who know that reference would be like, oh, it's Alice Ward, I can't believe it. And then there's just this huge gap between the people who are really excited about it and the people who just think it's stay tuned for next episode where they'll go to a planet. Mm-hmm. And so this episode, they're like, all right, we're going to we're going to explain. Let's explain why this is relevant, which is that back in in 1963 or whatever, 1964, <laughs> when they shot the first pilot of Star Trek, that was that was the story. And uh, even right with the little match cut kind of at the end where we go from Jeffrey Hunter mm-hmm. um, to our to uh, uh, Anson Mount, our current Pike. Uh, that was really fun. Um, I. I don't think I like the little cutouts flying around on the screen oh. method of of going between the different bits. It seemed a little bit 
wacky to me, <laughs> which I didn't like. I thought that they maybe should take themselves a little more seriously than that. Um, oh. I'm reminded, too, of how... So, Doctor Who, um, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago, did the last Peter Capaldi episode was a basically kind of sequel, or at least started at the same place, as an episode from 1960 six or something and they did a previously on doctor who 537 episodes ago thing <laughs> so I, I i'd seen this before and i think it is it is funny but what they did is they like reshot some shots from oh. the previous episode from the old episode um with the new actors and did this kind of thing where you kind of rolled into it and obviously that was not apparently in the budget to have sort of like a new telosian and a new pike and a new vena uh, acting that stuff out, so they just use the clips. But anyway, I thought it was funny, but I, I don't think I liked the little car, little the paper cutout, goofy transition things. The the swooping around, little zany, and, little little little. I think it undercut the uh, the the gravity uh, of the situation, the excitement. Yes, of mm-hmm. of going back to Talos Four after all this time. Yeah, I can see that. I I am glad that they didn't reshoot though, because I like seeing uh, the old uh, footage and yeah. basically them saying, you know. It, this happened before it's fine yeah. but it doesn't well, look like what and, it was and it's fine because it's it's not jeffrey hunter and it's not leonard nimoy and it's not susan oliver and it's not those meg wiley exactly. or whoever the, the the old ladies who wear the big head things <laughs> on and with the tell oceans um it's not them and it's but it's going to be our take on them and exactly. I, th- I think that's good i think that's good Yes, I agree. But I was excited to be reminded because I on my to do list was watch rewatch the cage because yeah. I've seen it before to remind me of what happened in the cage, and I did not do that. So huh. I was happy to see that they did the recap. No, so glad, I did not have to. I'm glad they did it because it is like super relevant that they. I mean, this is the most relevant the cage has ever been because it's the <laughs> only time, other than in the menagerie, where they literally uh, just, the episode the episode of Star Trek where they turn on a screen and watch and an episode watch of Star Trek. It's it's a trope of Star Trek. It's amazing. It's amazing. Even more than Star Trek Three, where they watch large parts of Star Trek Two, and Star Trek Four, where they watch large parts of Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three. But in in, in the Menagerie, it has to be a two part episode because they have to watch a whole one part episode, and it doesn't fit in one part. Any, anyway, since then, it's just been like that's it. We just don't talk about it. They, we've seen uh, you know alternate Pike in the J.J. Abrams movies, and here all of a sudden, three years after their trip to Talos Four. Um, Spock is going back and Pike gets mental transmissions, which we know they can do from the menagerie. So there is a menagerie Mm -hmm. reference in there too. And it's kind of fun because it is on one level, it is absolutely just self-referential nonsense that I know some people maybe don't like from Star Trek. But on the other hand, it's also like untrodden ground, like, no, it has not been touched since the the first like season of the original Star Trek. They have not touched any part of this premise. It's almost been like hallowed ground, and now mm-hmm. uh, we're on Talos Four in this episode. It's pretty cool. I was With their stupid singing plants. I was so happy to see the singing plants because I love that. First off, that it's weird because those are the sound components that ended up in the um, transporter beam, right? Mm-hmm. But in the first pilot, they used those funny sounds, and they hold the little leaves and and they stop singing. Stuff. and Spock mm-hmm. smiles and all that and then I heard when she when Burnham walks out of the shuttlecraft I, I, I was like oh they put that sound in the background that's so great and then she finds the plant and I'm like oh and it's got a little CGI like hummingbird or something that's yes, flying around uh, it's great uh, 
love, love the fact that they made them so the plants in uh, the cage don't look very convincing uh somebody trimmed they... them out of a piece of fabric and, and glued them to a a, a, a stick <laughs> yes and you know they're fine for the time yeah. uh but i like the fact that the cgi ones that they made for this also don't look all that convincing and i like to think that they did that on purpose <laughs> yes i think they right it's like well i mean this is the what the what this looks like right? this is what they look like right they look like fake plants that sing it's fine that's right Although uh, Talos has, uh, it now looks more like a, a quarry, where back in yes. 1964 it looked like a very small set with a large painting <laughs> behind it. So, so it's it's either an upgrade or a downgrade I'm depending not on sure your how you feel appreciation about of production. Yeah. Yes, uh, and, and I, I paintings. Pro quarry, <laughs> <laughs> pro quarry anti painting. That's where I am. No mm. paintings, please. Uh, but the, they, there's a lot that happens. Spock is here. He needs his mind fixed. So, uh, but before we do that, the the We've got uh, a bunch of uh, Starfleet admirals conferencing mm. on uh, what Section Thirty One ship uh, saying. You know, you got to get Spock, Leland. Um, it's, it's the key, um, the key foundational races of the Federation. So there's an Andorian, mm-hmm. a Vulcan, a human, and a Tellarite, and uh, and they yeah they have their whole little uh, meeting, which is uh, it's funny the. Um, the Section 31 meeting where after it's over, because they, they basically, as Giorgio predicted, they're talking to her and not to Leland. And and then, uh, and uh, I, I like though, after the meeting, she complains about how here in this universe, they have like AIs trying to come up with strategy. And she's like, you know, in, in Terran universe, AIs work for you. <laughs> like, okay. It made me laugh. I thought it was like, of course she's going to be cranky. And that's probably all she does. It's like, you know, back in my universe, yeah, yeah, we get it. Shut up. Yes, we know. We, get it. we know. We get it. I and later like she says, Leland. back in my universe, I killed the Telosians. They were really annoying. <laughs> okay. And that was my reference because she said, I, I wiped the Telosians and their stupid singing plans off the surface of that planet. Yep. 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 Although I, I would argue maybe she didn't. Maybe she only mm-hmm. thinks she did. That's true. The Telosians mm. are very crafty They're very and powerful. kind of creepy. We'll get they to are. them, though. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, they're, they're space creeps. Yeah, I thought we should. Uh, we we should. There's three three stories here, so we should probably get through the section thirty one stuff, and then there's also like the Culber Stamets Tyler yes. stuff. Yep, which is interesting. And then we've got uh, Talos. And then there's all stuff. the Talos Four stuff, right? Which I think the Red Angel fits in there. So why don't we? We'll do it in that order. Uh, in in I think increasing order of relevance. Perhaps? Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably so. <laughs> Early on in this episode, I wrote down, and I think I said this last week, but I'm it, it's it's really convincing now. Is like those three people who got killed, and Spock shows Burnham, and we'll talk about that. But like. As they're doing the Section 31 meeting, I'm like, they totally killed those guys. Like, they mm-hmm. know the reason they're so insistent that Spock did it is because they totally did it. <laughs> that is what happened there. And they have a reason for it. And I don't know what that reason is, but there is know. something about this conspiracy that, number one, warned Pike about. Remember early on, she's like, there's something really weird going on here and they're trying to suppress information. It's totally Section 31 is trying to do their uh, their thing. Um, and my other note from these early scenes about, about uh, where it's like Pike and Tyler and all that is... I like that scene with Pike and Tyler where um, Pike like undoes his collar and he, you see he kind of unzips his zipper a little bit. I really like. I don't know why. <laughs> I just thing. I really liked it. Like they're real people and this uniform is really annoying. And sometimes I'm going to take off the collar <laughs> and unzip it a little bit and feel more comfortable and let his hair down a little bit. And that's that's a good scene because Pike says, "Listen, Tyler, uh, I got to cut you a little slack. I still don't trust you because there's a secret 
Klingon inside of you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no uh, longer secret. You, Everybody knows right. Klingon inside of you. <laughs> a, a public Klingon is inside of you. Uh, and you did save my life when uh, the robotic cephalopod, uh, that's a squid for you, Tyler, mm-hmm. uh, attacked us. But uh, I, think, I think Tilly doesn't think Tyler's very bright. And she no, may be she right. she does not. <laughs> I she think she right. is right. Uh, he's crafty. He he's mm. uh, and he's got a high emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, Tyler does. That's sure. my my take on him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, Pike is like I don't trust you. Uh, but explain to me your relationship with Burnham. Uh, and basically, he's like, oh, we're totally professional, totes profesh, as mm-hmm. the kids say. Uh, and Pike is like, really? And he's like, okay, fine. Uh, I love her, and she kind of didn't hate me, but it's all over now, and we're, we're Cause, fine. Because I wasn't the man she thought I was. Ha! <laughs> exactly. Oh. It, hurt, oh. it hurts. It, it hurts. Does. Yeah. Yeah, that was <sighs> good. Did confusing. you notice also, that, and they've done this before, but I, I like how it looks, but I think that they need... Um, a uh some some new air filters on the discovery because it's very sunny out all the windows they must be like right up against the sun of the i guess saru's home planet where they still are um they're just chilling but it it, but you and you see the sunlight streaming in but i mean it's really hazy and dusty in discovery i think they got a i think they got a dust mite problem they might want to run a filter change the air filter it's the spores you know you're right okay i i i i drop all my objections <laughs> it's the spores there's just spores in the air everywhere in discovery they... discovery smells like feet i think that is what the truth is mm-hmm. that's Ooh. why they got rid of the spore drive and and they just decommissioned it because uh it was just ruining like people's sinuses lung, lung hazards yeah lung, exactly. lung breathing lots of like asthma increased in the starfleet mm-hmm. while they were using and the spore drive yeah starfleet medical just said shut it down <laughs> that's right that's right the surgeon general of the federation said no more spore drives okay that's right and, and he's a general or she's a general yeah or it who knows or, or who the it, surgeon general it, is. i'm sure it's probably an andorian who's very very grumpy um <laughs> also we learn in this in this part of the plot uh, there is an unauthorized transmission that's sending oh, uh, petabytes mm-hmm. of information, uh, which is not a word that existed in Star Trek before now, because <laughs> th- th- we did not live in worlds where petabytes were a thing, but now they are. I think data, even data's brain just had like terabytes of information, but petabytes <laughs> of information are being transmitted secretly. Um, and Somewhere. there's a corruption in du- the duotronics when they try to do a black alert, uh, oh, which, which seems like sabotage. Yes, there's that great line, someone must have spoofed my code, which I thought was uh, very funny. And of course, we know that Arium has been hacked mm-hmm. by the uh, future cephalopod probe thingy. Um, yes. But, uh, and that, they remind us, they flash those three red the, lights in her eyes to remind that's people right. of, the, she's the one that's doing it, not Tyler. But she is setting Tyler up because no one trusts him. Uh, and so she's doing whatever nefarious yeah. thing the the future cephalopod probe wants, right? Uh, and, and I assume that that probe is the thing uh, is related to whatever's going to destroy all sentient life in the galaxy yeah, in well, the future. There is that shot that we see in the next sec- or the the when we start talking about Talos Four. There is a there mm-hmm. is a vision of Spock the Spock has of the future that it got from the Red Angel that. I mean, it's these like torpedoes being fired at all of these planets, and it looks an awful lot like. Um, it's very familiar. Like th- those t- torpedoes look a lot like that probe, right? Or at least they're they're meant to be. I think what we saw last week, we have just furthered this week the idea that um, the probe 
is not from the Red Angel. It's from the opposition to the Red Angel. It's what the Red yes. Angel is trying to stop. And that's why they get prevented from jumping with the spore drive and all of that. And what whatever Arium is doing at the bidding of whatever force that's that the is. Blue, the Blue Devil. The Blue Devil. Just wait for it. Just wait. Yes, that's my prediction. Okay. Uh, I know it's uh, we'll fired off away. the conspiracy phaser, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and yeah, and so section 31 is like, hey, listen, we don't want, uh, well, George Drew really tells Leland, Leland, you don't want uh, the discovery to find Spock and Burnham, so just uh, make them sift through the, the wreckage of the probe yeah. to find stuff. We give them this crappy job of like looking <laughs> through all the bits of the blown up shuttlecraft. And, and But we still have our agent, Tyler, so he'll tell us if they're doing anything. Uh, and so they're like, okay, fine. And uh, Pike is like, fine, I'll do it. But I will also multitask because mm-hmm. we can do more than one thing. So we will look through all the re- rubble or, or the wreckage and we will also uh, scan for stuff. That's and, a nice moment where for... Tilly like pops out from behind her little console <laughs> and she's like, come on over, buddy. I'll uh, show you what we're, what we're looking at here. Yeah, and step, I like that. Step into like, my office. They're don't, doing... don't pay attention to what yeah. Saru is doing. No, they're doing, we're doing serious work here. We are following right, yeah. the, the letter of the law, if or the spirit of the law, or one of those things. We're following what <laughs> what we have to do, but no more than that. Let me exactly let the me letter just, of the law. Yeah, that's right, but not the spirit of the law. We're doing no. something else with that. Yeah, that's that's uh, in the closet, and yeah. and uh, uh, they sprinkle in this thing that oh, we found uh, a ton of wreckage, but it's all from the shuttle. We haven't found anything from the probe, which I assume will mean something in the future. Yeah, uh, or maybe Arium is yeah. making them not find things. That's Who my knows? guess is that Arium is also um, doing something that is they're not finding it, or or she's hiding it, or misclassifying it, or something like that. Or there's some spooky time travel reason why. But Ooh, that's my feeling is that travel. it's probably that all part of this thing that is the crime that Tyler is accused of that he didn't commit, which is betraying the uh, discovery. Yes, people are, are uh, accused of many things in this episode mm. that they have not committed. So it's it's a, a theme, and a few uh, things that they have right. Like well, that's uh, true. Like find uh, a big secret. Tyler, <laughs> our, our not our public Klingon gets gets uh, <laughs> some trouble from uh, from Doctor Culper. At last, we have yes. our our Culper in that subplot. We have our our uh, uh, Culper still super awkward and mm-hmm. unhappy, um, and uh, like really doesn't want to be around Stamets, which is super awkward i i what i wrote down is um awkward walking in the hallway awkward looking at tyler <laughs> awkward dinner is awkwardly ser- served mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's the eruption of uh you kept my stuff why did you keep my stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i, I i'm kind of on colbert's side here because uh he died <laughs> he died he died he came I, back i think science fiction doesn't do enough of the, when there's a miraculous science fiction resurrection, I, I think it doesn't get handled as well. I mean, I can't say realistically, right? Because it can't. It, 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 re- resurrection is nothing that actually happens. But, um, but this, yeah. Uh, but I, I, so I like that about this about this story is like he 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 died, and then he had his spirit trapped in weird mycelium uh, dimension mm-hmm. for months. And now he's returned like he went through a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, and doesn't know who he is anymore. And I think that is a realistic uh, kind of portrayal of that. I think it, Mm -hmm. it, I, I would much rather it be hard than it be super easy. 
Yes, and I also completely understand uh, where Stamets is coming from because he's like, "Oh, I missed you and and yeah, love you so much. We're back, and you're let's back. Let's get back to normal. Everything's great now. Let's uh, have dinner in our quarters." To which Culver's like, "We never have dinner in our quarters. <laughs> this is not normal. Yeah, none of this is normal." Well, and he's got that whole uh, feeling of he says, "I remember it, but it's sort of disconnected from me," which I think is interesting because mm-hmm. there's not only the psychological part of this, but I feel like there's the the mind body disconnect that's happening that they're talking about, which is also very interesting. Like. You know, when he got when he came back, we're like, well, isn't it convenient that they grew him a new body? But like the show has played fair with that and been like, no, it's actually really weird that it, that he got a new body grown and he's <laughs> he get used to it. not really connected to it and uh, feels like he may not even really be himself. And that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I think so. And then and that's it all leads up to. <laughs> You know, he they see he sees Tyler in the hallway when they're going to the quarters because yep. somebody thought it would be a good idea to put Tyler's quarters in the same uh, deck as uh, Stamets quarters, which I would also think Stamets wouldn't really want to see yeah, Tyler it's all that much either. Move. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but it makes sense because they want to have these scenes with him mm-hmm. seeing him in the hallway and then in the turbo lift. And then uh, Culber just kind of storms out of uh, Stamets quarters and goes to the mess hall where uh, Tyler is eating by himself. Although I guess Tyler is never by himself. Well, right, <laughs> so it's just him and his and his and his, uh, his friend, the uh, the public Klingon. That's right. always with him, complaining about uh, stupid human food. Probably, <laughs> it's it's all dead. How do you eat this? Uh, and and uh, Culber uh, throws some stuff. I was impressed by uh, he kind of tossed the chair aside and then he like uh, slams uh, Tyler's uh, tray across the room. And I saw in the background, I don't know why I was looking at this, but the cup on the tray lands perfectly on the shelf back there. And I thought, hmm, good for you. The editor of that scene must have really liked that on the take and so made sure that that was the take that they used of like a funny little thing. I thought, um, so I. I'm watching this and I'm thinking, Saru is standing right there. Oh, uh, yes. You know, he's got, why is he not saying something? And then I thought to myself, um, well, maybe Saru is so wise that he's decided that this is how it has to play out. At which point Saru said, no, no, this must be allowed this, to play out. <laughs> he said very wisely. Yes. This must. <laughs> this is the more of the glare side of the glare and care philosophy that he has, which is let's uh, right. let these two people uh, fight it out. That's right. Let's see what happens here. It's, it's a necessary... And, and, and Pike calls him on it later, and I thought that was a really interesting scene, because I don't think I agree with Pike, but I understand that Pike is like a little more by the book here, because mm-hmm. Saru said it was a necessary <laughs> and unavoidable catharsis, and I thought that was really... Uh, funny because that that is like we all knew this was going to happen eventually <laughs> let's just let him get it out of their system right now and i think he's right but pike basically says would you have done this if your threat ganglia were popped out and he was like eh, maybe not maybe not. not but i don't know maybe so saru is a wise uh, a wise person who who he is, is a, very observant of human nature and i think i think maybe um like let let him work it out is not necessarily <laughs> the wrong call there I think that's true. And in that scene with Pike and Saru, Pike is like, that was not by the book conflict resolution. And Saru says, well, the book doesn't cover a human with Klingons graft to his bones uh, and a doctor who's come back from the dead. So <laughs> I loved it. Loved it. Line of, that was the line of the whole episode right there. It's like, it's yes. not really in the book. And he's like, all right, well. Yeah, you got a point. Just uh, don't let it happen again. Don't make a habit of it. But we can't be punching each other. There, and we know, because this happened last season too, uh, lots of fights happen in the mess hall. It's true, and uh, lots of messes in the mess hall. That's why they call it the mess hall. It's not why, but, but they have anyway. this little little hovering but room. They got bus little, come and pick they, it up. They got little 
robots. The robots that clean up. Which is why they make a mess. Is because nobody has to clean it up. They just have the robots clean it up, I guess. But I love That's the little right. robots. Those were great. Little little droney robots who pick up all mm-hmm. the garbage that people drop when they're fighting in the mess hall. <laughs> they're, they're highly specialized drones, or uh, people are fighting all the time in the mess hall. Maybe it's it's like uh, international waters in the mess hall. Whatever I, goes. I don't know. Goes. I mean, they, sometimes they have parties there, too. I don't know. Maybe That's the true. drones little are used raids. for like lighting or strobe, strobes or something when it's a party. <laughs> Uh, and this is when, so after the fight, it's very cathartic for uh, Culber, but it doesn't, I was a little afraid that he'd be like, oh, I got that out of my system. Uh, everything's hunky-dory now. Uh, but that is not what happens. He sits down with Samets and he's basically like, listen, we, uh, we, gotta, we gotta move on, man. Uh, yeah. It's unclear what that means, but I think uh, it's, Culber... It's not you, it's, it's not me. Good. I was exactly. resurrected. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's tough to see that. And I, I wonder where they're going with that because, um, you know, uh, last season they were all like, oh no, this is a love that transcends time and space. But now it's like, or not. Yeah. And I think that's just, the, I, I think what we're going to be in for is, is Culber really trying to figure out like who mm-hmm. he is and how he interacts. And I think that's not surprising. It, it's like, um, you remember the, the uh, uh, Cast Away, the Tom Hanks movie, where he's you know he he's lost on the desert island, mm-hmm. um, and I think that movie ends with him coming back to civilization and finding like his girlfriend has married somebody, and like it's very much mm-hmm. like oh, um, the world Life moved on, on without me. I, I think mm-hmm. maybe there's some of that with Culber, where he he kind of needs to reestablish who he is first before he worries about other people, like including Stamets. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Culber transfers off the discovery i don't know, I don't know. Uh, if the actor is uh, coming in uh, the next season oh we we didn't mention last episode but there's gonna be another season of yeah. discovery hooray um hooray. which not surprising uh but i'm glad so uh, but i don't know if he'll be on next season as a regular character or not but we'll find out probably in the next several episodes one imagines probably uh, and so that's basically that yeah. kind of subplot, which then leads us to the meat of the episode. Ooh. Although this this episode has a lot of meat. There's uh, a lot going on here. There's a lot going uh, on here. But Talos 4. Oh, man. Talos 4. The Talosians. Talosians, yes. Yes. They're, they're creepy, man. So I have thought for a long time, and I'm sure that the writers of this episode and the people in the writer's room have thought about it, too, about like, okay, so you can't go to Talos 4. Um, it's prohibited. But, like, what does that mean? Like, somebody could try. And the answer (laughs) is, um, you come out of warp and there's a black hole. There's a black hole. And you run away (laughs) and that's it. And and Spock has to... And I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally a fake out. That's how the Telosians tell people to Mm -hmm. go away. (laughs) Get off their lawn. uh, Uh, That's right. And Spock's like, no, no, no. We're going to go into the black hole and... It's a, it's all a fake because it's and welcome to Talos Four where everything is not what you what you see you don't you can't believe your own eyes it's Talos Four mm-hmm. it's Talos Four yes oh Talos Four so creepy and the, so yeah they they land on Talos Four in the quarry uh, they see the singing um, uh, ooh, I think we're I need to excuse me I need to touch this flower so I can be quiet because we're recording a podcast okay uh, just keep holding on to that flower Scott. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the Telosians show up. Oh, no, they send... Uh, they well, Marco send- Burnham does a little uh, reconnoitering, and then uh, she sees a lady up in, in the shuttle. So and this... Vina. This is one of the questions I had was, are they going to... I mean, they kind of have to. They go to Talos 4, you got to have Vina, and they that's what mm-hmm. they do, is they've got Vina. It's, um, it's Melissa George, who... Um, 
I, I think this is really kind of great casting because um, they it, she is she is the modern equivalent of Susan Oliver. Basically, <laughs> she is a beautiful actress who is playing this part, and they can put the the weird makeup on to show mm-hmm. her in her official state, and then they you know. But most of the time, she's she's in this you know her her illusion of herself as a young and healthy woman, and and so it's Melissa George as Vina. Um, checking in with Spock and talking to Burnham and sh- because she's the human on Talos 4 of course she's the one that the Talosians send to kind of like communicate with her which was uh, that was really cool I was hoping that would be the case and, uh, and it totally was and I like the the costuming and the hair like they, it is it is clearly heavily influenced by Vina from the 1960s but it's not like uh, an exact replica right it's, you know what it is it but it's updated and modern uh, and she's still wearing like a mini skirt so uh, yeah. as they did on the original series yeah. uh, and has a piled high hair uh, and I like that and she's like oh look a Spock uh, is is a uh, Captain Pike with you? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was really great because Burnham doesn't. Burnham hasn't seen the cage, so she's like, "What? How do you know?" Oh, and she's like, "Oh, I get it. You've been here before. You've been here before. Oh, right. That was like, yeah. Where's Chris? Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah. That that was uh, that was pretty good. And Spock. Uh, turns out Spock has has time problems. This is what this episode. I thought this was a Space sort of strange thing in the script. This is uh, so what Spock is saying is that basically uh, the red angel showed him like non-linear time events and and, and it, uh, it messed him up man that was it like little time travel and spock goes kablooey i guess yeah, he he i think the Tolosian said uh kind of in a dismissive way he sees time as a fluid construct not a linear construct uh but we can fix him yeah that's right and they're like oh of course that's what it is the red angel broke spock that's basically that's what right. happened and the Tolosians are like you know we'll help it's fine. We 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 like Spock. Uh, we are very powerful. We can help. But if we help Spock, you must, Michael Burnham, give us your painful memory of the rift between you and Spock. Yeah, yeah. You got to show us what um, we've been hitting at all season, but haven't shown <laughs> the viewer. Um, we we are tired of waiting, so we just want you to show it to us directly. Um, totally in, in keeping with the whole premise of the Telosians, right? They mm-hmm. they they don't they just live underground in caves ever since their their world was destroyed in a nuclear war, and so the only way they get new um, memories is by you know basically wayward uh, astronauts from other places, and they read their minds and learn about their history, and the, that's new stories for them to experience. Mm-hmm. And I liked how uh, Vina was around the Telosians. Like, she has a great debt to them because they allow her to live and uh, uh, have her body as she remembers it and uh, not be disfigured. Well, I mean, she is disfigured, but not think that she's disfigured. Right. Uh, but she's also weirded out and scared of them because they are weird and scary. Yeah. Uh, and so she's kind of like Michael. Uh, they're going to do it anyway. So trust me, you just want to cooperate with them. Right. And we've, you know, we've seen the cage. So we know that they are, uh, for those who have seen the cage, right? Like, 
people are behind a you know, people and other aliens are like literally in a in a cage behind a glass a pane of glass and if you don't do what they say they make you imagine that you're burning to death and mm-hmm. that's nice. basically how they do it yeah i like that that because it, it is again appropriate with the cage the 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 telosians do all these terrible things and then they learn that oh humans don't want to be held in cages that's their big <laughs> lesson that they learn and they, and bad. But, but then they're like we're sorry um and and they show kindness to vena right where where she mm-hmm wants to stay because she's uh you know been patched up by telosian doctors who don't know what humans how humans are shaped and so she's kind of messed up and disfigured as you said and uh so she decides to stay and they do her a kindness of granting her her youth and they give her a mental construct of captain pike to stay and be her yes. companion even though captain pike leaves and that's so it's that combination of they're they're super creepy and yet you know they're aliens they're creepy and yet they do have some sort of kindness in them so there there's it's a weird combination and and it's nice the venus like burn them let me explain to you <laughs> they're super weird but they will do they will help you but you have yeah, to give them what you. they want that's just exactly that's they the, will do that's the bargain they do what they promised to and do that's what, and it will work that's what but. burnham says okay but um what i said to spock is something we've been teasing the whole season so let's leave that till the end of the episode <laughs> that's right first you show me spock's uh addled mind and then i'll show you this painful memory at the very end when we're leaving Talos. yeah for. yeah good deal good uh, deal let's do it the Telosians are like okay <laughs> And so this is where we find out a lot more about the Red Angel yeah. and how Spock has, has first met the Red Angel when, uh, in when he was a little baby Spock and Michael was off uh, running away, which we knew, right? Because Spock knew where she was and he told Sarek and Sarek went and got her. What we didn't know is that uh, if Spock had not intervened, the Red Angel showed that Burnham was going to be killed by some giant Vulcan thing I yeah yeah in is. the in the forge which they've referred to before which is the de- the desert a big open yes, desert it's dangerous and um and yeah that that so that's interesting because we we get have more details that um that the red angel we know the red angel has been um kind of meddling with various parts of history which is why it's very clearly a time traveler it went saved mm-hmm. those people from world war three it um it has it saved Michael Burnham right because it needs yes. them and 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 we know that it freed Saru's people like it is definitely focused on mm-hmm. people we know which is because um you know it's very clear that where this story is going is that something about the discovery is important like they're yes. it saved them so they're in the position to do whatever it wants and Spock says later in this episode basically we need to put our faith in the angel <laughs> we need to do what it says because <laughs> yes, otherwise everybody's going to die. <laughs> And and that's that would be suboptimal. Yes, so that would be that would be. Uh, but I I thought that was a cool twist that he actually sees her die. It isn't that yes. he is told where to go to save her. He sees her die, and then they t- says this is what I saw, and then they go and they get her, and they're like, oh, she didn't die, Spock. He's like, no, oh, no, silly Spock. I saw her die, but then she didn't she die. Died. No, she didn't die, and he saved her, and uh, and then he was like, oh, I guess I'm done with the Red Angel, um, but it, it comes back uh, and shows him uh, uh, these these red disturbances, which we've seen uh, in previous episodes, uh, and they cut to, I guess, when he's in the hospital, and he's drawing on the floor, and the doctor comes in and uh, says, hey, uh, here, the, these red splotches you've been drawing have shown up. Tell us how you 
knew this would happen? And Spock is like, I've been telling you all along. Uh, that's not the right question. Uh, and she's like, well, oh, Spock says, I have to go. I must leave. And she says, you can't. You can't leave. Some kind people from Section 31 are going to come mm-hmm. and take you to a, a very uh, nice facility and totally not kill you and rip your brain out. Uh, and uh, Spock uh, doesn't kill them. He he does the old uh, Vulcan nerve pinch and knocks them all out. Uh, and and th- there's a nice moment. And then because Burnham is watching his memory. So right. she's there in that scene. And she says to Spock, so what happens after that? Because we saw him knock them out. And he says, uh, you are in my memories and you still don't trust me. Yeah. I, do you see murder here? Yeah, that's uh, right. He did not murder them. Yeah, but then he goes out the door, right? So we don't know what actually happened. He doesn't know that, but he knows that he didn't, he didn't do it, which is, is mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, it's, um, we, we see at one point that he, is, he actually does a mind meld with the Red Angel. Yes, um, but, that's exciting. But only knows that it's a human but doesn't know mm-hmm. anything more than that about who it is because, uh, you know, that's still a mystery for the TV show that we're watching. That's right. It's be we'll, a we'll find out. I'm sure point. we will find out possibly which one of our characters is the real yes. angel, but we'll see. It could be <laughs> somebody from the, uh, further in the future. That's also possibly true. Um, uh, but I think William that's... William Shatner. I think that's... It, it's, you know, it's not that big a spacesuit. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, William Shatner. It's not, mm. it's not William Shatner. But... Um, I, yeah, that so that's all really interesting. And then they also have there's some banter in there when they're going back and forth about the the vision of blowing up all the his vision is like those those missiles hitting. Yes, uh, they they say later it's Earth and Andor and Vulcan and mm-hmm. uh, and t- the Tellarite whatever Telaria or whatever it's called. But it's like yeah. it's the home planets all of the, the Federation. And the implication they say is that it's actually everybody in all all sentient races you know home planets are blown up by this whatever this is um but they also uh have a uh, funny back and forth just michael and spock where they do their kind of fix his brain (laughs) they're annoyed um annoyed siblings (laughs) conversation including at one point the great line you actually think that beard is working I did enjoy that because it starts off with uh, Burnham asking some questions and, and Spock is like, I don't know the answers to that. And she's like, it's rhetorical. And yeah. he's like, you stop wasting my time it's, as it's, ask questions. It's that very work. much like we, we are, we are uh, a human and a, and a Vulcan who grew up on Vulcan <laughs> and our siblings and are really annoyed by each other and know how to push mm-hmm. each other's buttons. It's great. It's a, I really liked that whole back and forth. And then she makes it personal about the beard and his response is to pause and consider it. And, and I think he's basically, like okay you got me on that one i do i do not know <laughs> and about strokes beard. his beard yeah yeah I, I like bearded spock though i'll go down and say it i i am uh in uh, in the pocket of big beard though oh, as yeah. i stroke that's my true. own beard so that's true well, that's uh in the mirror universe uh actually i like that that the uh, we know that Spock can grow a beard and has grown a beard in the in the mirror universe, so he does it here. Obviously, at some point he shaves it off and does not ever uh, grow it back. But <laughs> Let here, us never speak of the beard again. But here he's he's got it, and we we know, yeah, it's good. It's good. I like it. it uh, the beard suggests some level of insanity on Spock's part, which is appropriate here. <laughs> It's true. And then at this point, we should, we should, because all bearded people are, are insane. dangerous, potentially. They could be murderers. It's possible. It's, it's true. You know, the beard, it, it, it corrupts you. It does. It, does. it makes evil. you do things. It does. Uh, do you see murder here, though? I don't. I don't. No, um, no murder. So, um, so they do have to, they do have to give the, uh, we get the last farewell. We get the, um, the yeah, revel- revelation 
of yes. of what Michael said to Spock, which is, I would imagine, I mean, it was pretty much what I imagined it would be. Is, would you say mm-hmm. the same? Yes, I, I was thinking about it as I was watching it because I did think it was effective, but part of me also thought they they built it up so much that I was thinking it has to be something like, huge. Uh, but in the scope of that relationship, I feel like it was a huge thing, uh, and I buy it as uh, kind of hurting their relationship to a, a great deal because it is very mean what she does. Um, mm-hmm. But she does it for the right reason. I guess we should just talk about what she does. She's running away, and Spock is like, "Oh, I'll go with you." Uh, and she says, "No, yeah, I'm logic trying to extremists. save you from <laughs> logic extremists." That I shouldn't laugh because I feel like it's a very touching scene. But logic extremists <laughs> is always going to make me laugh. <laughs> And basically, she wants to protect Spock. Spock wants to go with it. It's like the you know you you uh, get a like a, 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 a crow from the field that's injured, and you you bring it back to to uh, full strength, and you're like, okay, crow, you gotta you gotta go. Uh, and the crow's like, no, I want to stay with you. And you're like, no, you have to go back with your crow brethren. Get away, crow! And you throw a rock at the crow, and then the crow leaves. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that what everyone was thinking? I, 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 I'm learning so much about your childhood now. It's great. <laughs> uh, you know, every, doesn't every boy uh, rescue a crow now and again? No. No. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They're, they're very smart, Jason. But she, so um, she, this, this actually answers some questions. I think the writers are trying to say, this is why Spock, though he mm-hmm. is half human and half Vulcan, when we see him in most totally of his Vulcan. appearances, especially in the original series, he is basically Vulcan with not a lot of humans showing through, mm-hmm. uh, which has always been a little mystery. It's like he's half Vulcan and half human. Shouldn't he be a little a mix of both? But even though they, they always said he's half and half, the scripts often treat him like he's a pure-blooded Vulcan. And here we get a reason why, which is that he had this human sister, essentially, and she basically shamed him um, and said, you'll always be cold and distant, like a moon mm-hmm. somewhere. You're not worth my effort. Um, and and weird it's like little half weird little half breed. And so she drove him away and pushed him mm-hmm. away from uh, humanity toward being a Vulcan. Um, which I think, you know, that, that's their take on it, which I think is kind of interesting because it is, it always has been kind of a mystery in the series about like, just why is Spock so Vulcan and, and suppresses his humanity so much. And this episode posits that, you know, his, his human sister was not actually helping. (laughs) (laughs) She did. And it's interesting though, because Spock, uh, you know, we see this memory uh, and Burnham's very cheerful and she says to Spock, you know, I didn't mean it. I was just trying to protect you. And Spock said, oh, I know that. Logically, I knew that. Uh, what you did was show me how uh, how damaging my humanity could be. Yeah. So I completely rejected it thanks to you. Uh, and she's like, well, that is not what that I was trying not to the do. intended lesson there at all? <laughs> no. And I was like, mm, uh, yeah, but that's the lesson that was learned. And th- this also leads to, because she's having this conversation with him a great line that i feel like also um it speaks to potentially his relationship with Sarek, and it also uh speaks to his future relationship with dr mccoy which is when he says do not psychoanalyze me better minds (laughs) have tried and failed (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. oh yes 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 so good 
Yeah, that's that's Spock right there. I, yeah. I feel like uh, Ethan Peck, who yep. is the actor who's playing Spock uh, in Discovery, does a great job of this is not the Spock that we know, but this feels like the Spock that we know comes from here. Yeah. Yeah, which is what they're going for, right? I think I exactly. think that definitely what what Discovery is trying to do is is um sort of say, you know that Spock you saw in the cage um and what we know of his history um and then we know him in in the original Star Trek. We're going to show you a, a him on that continuum headed for the Spock you know from the original series. Um from, you know, that that Spock in uh, the cage who is, you know, smiles at the funny plants on Talos and mm-hmm. says the women and all of those things. It was a little more <laughs> demonstrative. Like this is, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. This is um, giving us some more facets of Spock and I don't think it undermines the Spock that we come to know, no. but it is like uh, filling in some history of, of who he was when he was younger and growing up and having formative um you know, events in his career before he met uh, Captain Kirk. And much like uh, Zachary Quinto was not doing a Leonard Nimoy impersonation, Ethan Peck is not doing a Leonard Nimoy impersonation either. Uh, He's doing a variant of the character Spock. Yeah, he's doing it. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Exactly. Which is, I I think, um, one of the greatest moves that J.J. Abrams made was... Um, there's a story I read that basically said they, they sent out a, a memo to someone at, during the production of that um, Star Trek movie saying, think about it like Shakespeare. Lots mm-hmm. of people have played all the parts in all the Shakespeare plays. You're the next one. Don't do an impression of the actor who played this character in Star Trek. Think of the character as a, uh, you know, a timeless character in fiction like uh, Shakespeare or like Sherlock Holmes or something like that play the character and and the character is going to have things in common with all the per- all performances are going to be mm-hmm. interpretations of the character but they're not necessarily interpretations of other people's performances and I thought that right. I think that's I think that, that was really smart and I felt like they kind of broke the glass and I'm not sure Discovery would have had the guts to recast original Star Trek characters if J.J. Abrams hadn't already done it. Oh, I don't think they would have. Yeah. I think the Spock this whole time this thing would not have this would just been Michael He's, Burnham. Spock seeing is the sacred. Red Angel. You can't recast Leonard Nimoy and it's like we already exactly. did it. <laughs> Zachary Quinto already did it. Not a problem. Yep. Let's do it again. All bets are off. We're gonna we're and, gonna recast it. It's good. Because like I love Kirk and Spock and McCoy and all of that. And like those characters are so great, they deserve to live on and mm-hmm. be performed by other actors who have their own takes on them. And so that's why I don't I don't get kind of huffy about like, oh, they're trotting on sacred ground here. It's like I love Kirk. Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy. Is he really doing what DeForest Kelly did? Not kind of yes, kind of no, but like, but Dr. McCoy is so fun that I love to see him. And so mm-hmm. here, like Pike, we've been saying all along, like Pike is so great. Uh, and Anson Mount does a great job with Pike. Pike he is does. more interesting now, frankly, than he was in the cage. And so it's like, that's great. Like somebody else gets a, a, a shot to interpret these characters. I think, I think it works. And I think I, I agree with you. This, uh, this, new spock is um it's good so far like we'll see if he if he shaves at some point 
He's got to clean. Got to clean that up. But that's right. Or maybe he'll try a goatee, and everyone will be like, "No, no, 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 no." Too Actually, it would be great if he if he had a goatee, and then Giorgio saw him and was like, oh, "This doesn't work for me." <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. Uh, <laughs> but so the problem now is Spock. Spock is fixed. Uh, the Telosians have done it. They've got their price of a painful memory, yep. uh, and they've creepily watched it with everybody. Uh, but now they're stuck on Talos Four, and they need the Discovery to pick them up. Uh, but they don't want to use subspace and uh, call them up because Section 31 is listening and they're still kind of fugitives, not kind of, they are fugitives. Uh, so the Telosians are like, no big deal, we can uh, totally project ourselves out there, um, which leads to, I think, a great scene with Vina appearing uh, in Pike's ready room. Oh, so good. And, and, and Pike is like, what? how are you here? Is this real? And with the great line that Vina gives, it's, a, it's as real as it needs to be. <laughs> Yeah, and you think about um, what she said earlier to Burnham, which is, um, you know, in some in some ways Pike never left, mm-hmm. which is because we know at the end of that episode that that they leave her with an image of him, and here we get the payoff of that, which is Vina is going to talk to Pike, who you know she spent the last three years. And also, it's like fantasy world time, so who knows right. even mm-hmm. how the time works. Well, like she living, said lifetimes, Living right? a mm-hmm. lifetime or lifetimes with her mental construct of Christopher Pike, and now here's the real one. And there's a connection there, which is really interesting. Um, and And what they're doing also is setting up like... They're trying to make it even more that it's kind of a happy ending for Pike in the Menagerie when he goes right. and ends up with Vina on Talos Four, like by by portraying that they have a connection, um, and that it's super weird. And his response is like, "This is really, you know, it's really strange, but I'm glad you're doing okay." It's kind of like one <laughs> yeah. of those things. But it's like, um, I don't know what to say. But yeah, I have feelings, I guess. But it's it's um. But I like that, and I like the fact that it's used because they want to try and um not be monitored by uh section 31 so they've like ah telosian mental projection might be harder for them (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh to to figure it out and and i you know i like that and she and then they make they make spock and 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 burnham appear as well and there's a nice cutting back and forth where he's in his office and they're on talos four but they're kind of in the same room and vena's with him on that side of it and and yeah i it's a I thought that was a really good scene that that is hard to navigate because it really is like the weight of 55 years, 54 mm-hmm. years of Star Trek on that scene <laughs> is kind yes. of enormous. It's true, but I think they pulled it off. I mean, it was really uh, affecting for me and I, I bought the whole thing. Um, and we're all I'm, thinking, I, you know, he's going to see her in 10 years, right? He's going to be... Right, exactly. He's going to be nearly fatally injured um confined to a chair unable to speak basically Mm -hmm. unable to communicate with the outside world and spock in a moment of kindness for his former captain will break the rules again it turns Mm -hmm. out and take him to talos for so that um he can be with vena and have his youth again and like so that that is hovering over this entire scene as well and uh yeah i think they nailed it they do and pike is like okay well we're gonna go pick him up uh and this is where we find out the spore drive has been sabotaged so they need to go <laughs> yeah black alert uh, black alert boo and arium's like oh, it's just not working captain i don't know why <laughs> who could be i feel bad for arium in the sense that the first time she gets really screen time she's like uh been taken she's... over by evil 
data exactly. from the future yeah. or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it's well. Hopefully, they will reboot her or something, right. and uh, it'll be fine, and she'll get more to do. Yes, that isn't I, I, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna kill her. Although it's possible, but no. I, I hope. I hope not. Um, no, she's interesting. But we get we. So we, we in the end we get, and I'm sure you saw it coming. We get the the old mm-hmm. the old Telosian double cross where it's like uh, they're, they're, we're beaming them up, but you're beaming them up. Well, only one of us can have them, and Veen and 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 he's standing there and i'm like oh she, he's got to get a pro-. and it played out exactly as i thought but i love the whole thing like vina appears mm-hmm. and says you got to let your friends go and trust in the situation he lets them go and they beam onto the section 31 ship and i'm sitting there thinking it's a projection from Talos. it's not real <laughs> and then sure enough they like ha ha we have beaten you now we're out of here go slink back to starbase 10 and be punished and they leave punished, and then of course it's like oh Hey, there's a shuttle out there. Mm-hmm. You think? <laughs> Do you think? Who's in that shuttle? <laughs> just, uh, just uh, let's bring it into the bay. Come on, Saru. We gotta go. See, we gotta go see that it's Spock and uh, Burnham, and they're back yes. from and and, uh, oh. and and on the Section Thirty One ship, they fade oh. away. <laughs> and I wrote in my yeah. notes, "You just got Talos." <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I like how Burnham says, uh, "Say goodbye, Spock," and Spock says, "Goodbye, Spock." And I thought, yes, I thought, that's what Spock would do. Is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? And he was like, "Live long and prosper." Goodbye, Spock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. And they fade away, and that's when you know George says, "Oh, I knew that was oh, going to happen." Uh, yeah, I hate those guys. I've been here before. I hate them. They're annoying. I killed them all. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or, did yeah. or did she? Or did she? But uh, yeah, we that's don't. that's that that was good. I, they tried that trick on me. <laughs> um, and so so yeah, that leads to our last scene where they're on the bridge, and it's uh, it's uh, basically they lay it out. The Red Angel is trying to change the outcome of our timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, because in our timeline right now, senti- all sentient life will be wiped out in this galaxy. And so this thing is going back in time and trying to avert that disaster. And that means we got to, we got to do what I've been doing all along, Captain, which is we got to run. Yes, let's run. And, uh, yeah. And, and so then there's the scene where Pike is like, you know, everybody, I can't ask you to disobey orders. Uh, and I like the fact that they didn't do the kind of the melodramatic, uh, everybody says, yes, we'll do it. Uh, it's, uh, the Helms person whose name I cannot remember, uh, just says coordinates, please. Yeah. Uh, until he's like, yeah, we really should get going. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for dramatic monologuing. <laughs> yeah. But, they, but they're, they're all saying, and it's like, it's very, it. very clearly, this is going to be, we're, we're all in on this and i think that's a nice moment because this is episode eight and you know he arrived in episode one and and was like i'm not Lorca, you know you're gonna get to know me but i'm on your side here and here in episode eight he is asking them to trust him that about this and they say absolutely we will trust you and that's uh it's a it's a great moment it really is it is. Uh, I liked it. And, and it also, the entire time they were explaining what the Red Angel was about, uh, they have uh, very conspicuously uh, Arium in the background. Yes. And you think, oh no, don't, don't, don't talk about don't, it in front of don't her. Don't reveal the secrets because <laughs> she is working for and communicating with somebody somewhere mm-hmm. who is probably we, bad. 
Exactly. Who is probably the, the Blue Devil. The Blue Devil. Well, yes, the Blue Devil. The, the Duke University. <laughs> that's right. Blue all, Devils. All trouble comes from Duke University. Yeah, that's true. It's a, uh, we get the Queen's coordinates lead to North Carolina. <laughs> Run that again. That's that can't right. be right. <laughs> Wait, if, if the last episode of the season involves a basketball game, the bridge crew has to play against the Duke Blue Devils, I will be very upset. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, there's there's a, a starship that just is uh, populated by Duke alumni. Yeah. Uh, and they and, have and, had and a long running like rivalry. <laughs> at the end and they win i don't know yes. something like that happens that's right and there's there's no rule in the rule book that says he can't do it that's right that's right he 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 gives a little uh, nerve pinch to everybody on the other team and then dunks the ball like a thousand times to win the game at the end that's, that's i'll happens. allow it yep no rule denies it it's it's not here you know in the again the, there are no rules against secret klingons knocking <laughs> out true. other players mm-hmm you know, we just play by the rules, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and so, Jason, so we are more than halfway through the season. Yeah. At yeah. this point, uh, if memory serves, which is the title of the That's episode. Well, episode. Yeah. Well done. Uh, well done. Well done. There. Uh, and so now we are we're at the home stretch. I'm not. Are there only eleven episodes? In oh the season? no, there are, there are more. I think I there are how many there are. Fourteen. So we're right, just so we're, over the halfway point now. We're in the second we're, half we're of the, the season. I think I think they originally had 13, and then as they were writing it, they extended to 14. Like last season, they originally were 13, and they extended to 15. So 14 mm. episodes. And they, they didn't even announce the number that they renewed them for for season three, because I think they figured out, <laughs> eh, it's a little bit, yeah, we'll see how the writing does, and we'll see where they're going. So, so we're just now entering the second half of the season. So let's let's briefly. We've already uh, been talking for a long time. So let's briefly just talk about how satisfied we are with the first half of this season uh, and compare it briefly to the first season. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I'm just going to say I think that it's it's they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, this episode was not. The last couple of episodes were pretty standalone-y, uh, with little sprinkles of the overarching thing. This episode was all about kind of getting things in places that it needs to be, but accomplishing that in a way that wasn't all about just moving furniture around. Uh, so I thought it was effective. Uh, and I also thought this whole half of the season was very good, and I'm excited to see where it leads us. Yeah, I agree. I think that they have um, they've lost a little momentum here and there because they're trying to figure out um, how to repair some of the you know, the decisions made in season one that they don't want to really keep going down that path. So there, there's been mm -hmm. some of that, but I think that they've done a pretty good job. I think, um, you know, I think the high point of last season was when they went to the mirror universe in the latter part of the season. Um, and that's, uh, and, and so at this point they had just like the, I think the Harry mud episode was episode seven last season. So I think this has been, more effective because we haven't had as many Klingons and we didn't have all the setup and all of that. Like they, they jumped oh, yes. in, they jumped in pretty quickly. Um, I think the, um, you know, Pike Spock number one kind of stuff has actually been really good. I feel like speaking of like living down things from season one, I feel like they decided to embrace from season one, the idea that this is a pre-original series timeline and Sarek is in it and Burnham grew up with Spock. And like, I think that doesn't, maybe they don't get enough credit for leaning into that because the, they, they could have run away and instead they're like, Nope, uh, Spock is at the set and as Pike's the captain of the discovery this season and Spock's at the center of the plot. And those actors have been good. 
and the story around mm-hmm. them has been good and they have been fearless in touching things that I think other <laughs> producers would not I mean that literally every other Star Trek TV show producer has never touched which is Talos 4 they they, yes, they just said nope. yep we're going to do a whole episode on Talos 4 and they did it and it, it was actually pretty great so I, I'm I'm very positive about that I think it is fascinating to, to we were witnessing them kind of cleaning up after the previous production staff the previous writing and producers and, and, and you know there's multiple showrunners that have kind of come through and this year feels a little bit like uh like they're doing doing the cleanup and getting it ready to go which honestly is that surprising for star trek because there is it rare is the star trek series that doesn't spend a season or two kind of like figuring out what it's trying to do Mm -hmm. and and discovery is trying to much like Enterprise, it has a, a difficult task of happening before yeah. things that we know that are in of. canon. Yeah, exactly. So you need to. It gives you a constraint that the other series did not generally so have. I have I have a conspiracy note about that, which I don't think Ooh. is true, but I want to at least mention it as a possibility. Which is, I'm starting to wonder mm. if if the storyline here, because it's about time travel, um, resets the timeline. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder. I don't think this will they'll do this, but you could at least foresee the possibility that what the resolution of this is going to be is, oh, in the timeline, we all know Burnham did die. Mm-hmm. And then and then everything went as we've seen it, but then everybody died. And so we've reset the timeline. I don't think they're going to do that because it resets all of Star Trek. But <laughs> it is Discovery. It could be that Discovery just goes on another timeline after that. I don't know. I don't think they're going to do that, but it would be one way to to address like the inconsistencies or at least the um you know trying to shoehorn things into continuity if they said oh we we didn't hear about spock's sister because uh she died and it's only because of the red angel that that didn't happen and that we saw star trek discovery i don't think they're going to do it but it's it's a possibility anyway it is a possibility but but they have that's what i went when i was saying they they walked that line really well it's like yeah enterprise until that last season where i felt like manny Cotto actually did what discovery is doing which is let's embrace it enterprise Mm -hmm. was like well we really want to tell our own stories and we don't want to touch too much on the ground of star trek um but we can't introduce romulans because we haven't seen them and right like there's all of that i think discovery has been better at that of not feeling too timid um and having other stories to tell and then when they want to address star trek canon they just do it and i i I think uh, it's a harder job than telling new stories without having to worry about canon which would have been a much easier thing to do the i think seemingly inevitable star trek third generation tv show that will someday happen that is an enterprise out past the uh the era of the presumably the picard series that they're doing now um (laughs) but uh but for now like they they've they've walked that line pretty well i think I, I agree. I think that uh, I, I'm quite pleased how they are. Yeah. They're, they're, I assume they learned from season four of Enterprise that that's the way you should yeah, do just it and have taken people, some notes. People from love it. that. So people love that episode where they're on the uh, on the Constitution class starship, right, of Enterprise, the mm-hmm. through a mirror darkly. And uh, so they did mirror universe, and now they've got a Constitution class <laughs> starship. And it's like, yeah, do that. People love that. That's part of why people love Star Trek. They have made a, a point of not having it be incomprehensible, I think, to new to new newer viewers yes but which is important but they still like 
like we'll tell you what Talos Four was. It's not that big a deal, but you know who Spock is. You get that, so we can we yes. can use that. And you don't really know Pike, but nobody really knows Pike, so it's fine. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's, they've they've it's I, I think it's very thoughtful. I've, I'm very happy that they these are people who know Star Trek really well, very clearly, and are they want to honor it, but they also want to tell the stories they want to tell. And I think that's, that's a tough balance to strike, but they, that they've done a good job that it doesn't feel like they're retreating from storytelling because they're afraid of messing with, uh, you know, breaking star Trek. They're not, they're not doing that. That's good. <laughs> that's right. And that's what they're taking, you know, uh, constraints breed creativity. Uh, and so they're, they're taking it as a challenge and not like, Oh, well we have to make sure that a goes to B and then we have to make sure oh, yeah. that these uniforms look right here. And, uh, no, they're, they're, they're keeping the joy in it and also sprinkling in things for, for nerds like us to be like, OMG, uh, can you believe they did that? Yeah. The singing Talos plants Four. still look right. <laughs> I, when I watched this episode again, or la- last week's episode again with, uh, with Lauren, uh, we got to the end. I said, I, I said, I got to warn you, there's going to be a moment at the end that fans will freak out about and you're not going to, not going to care. And we got to the end and she turned to me and she said, oh, Talos four. <laughs> I said, I know. Right. And she says, yeah, I don't know anything about what that is. I said, I know. I told you it was, was going to be, this a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> it is great moments. Uh, and then, undoubtedly, you probably uh, lifted your mug of tea. Of tea of took the a New Mexico Tea Company. Thank you to them. NMTCO.com slash TV. Fill out a survey because there's going to be a game show episode, maybe multiple game show episodes even, what? Uh, about Star Trek, where uh, people are going to have to guess what you said when you filled out the survey. Oh, boy. Yeah. I think that'll be fun, but also infuriating. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Well, as a player, I think I feel like we're at the end now, and that's why I have to say, say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.